Come on now, let's welcome the Holy Presence in this place tonight. He's here. He's here. I love that, I love that one line they declared when they sing this song, that the atmosphere is changing now. The atmosphere is changing now. I want to tell you something. The old ship of Zion's been battered and tattered. It's been in some rough waters, but there's a fresh wind coming that's going to let us sail into some smooth waters. God's got his hand on this. This is an exciting time for the church because the winds of the Spirit are moving across our land, and they're launching revivals in our land. And I believe for the purpose of the greatest harvest of souls we have ever seen, revival has a purpose to revive things. And I believe in this move of God, God is going to revive dead things. I think that over the past years that the saturation of evil deception, many things have died. And the word revive means to return to consciousness or to life, to make things become active or to flourish again. I believe God wants to revive those who are dead and trespasses and sin. I believe he wants to revive the family that's broken. I think he wants to revive the church that's lost its first love. I think he wants to revive the health of the afflicted. I think he wants to revive this generation. I think he wants to revive someone's ministry. I think he wants to revive someone's marriage. In this revival, God wants to make dreams that are dead alive again and promises active again. He wants to restore to us what the canker worm has stolen. Come on, somebody. Can you give God praise? Hallelujah. I'm going to get right into my word tonight. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. I'm not going to read it for the time's sake, but, there, but I want to let you know this is a very interesting time in Elijah's life. And what I just said, I'm going to talk about through this passage. And quickly, I want to remind you, Elijah is a servant who served Elijah the prophet so faithfully. He walked so close to Elijah, he was chosen to be Elijah's successor. He asked of Elijah before he's taken away by God in heaven in a whirlwind. When you leave this world, grant me a double portion of your, of your anointing. He not only wanted to operate in this anointing, but wanted twice as much. And because of his faithfulness to Elijah, God granted it to them. Hallelujah. So now Elijah is this man of God operating in a double portion of Elijah's anointing. It was his dream to be used of God in a mighty way. But may I also interject here the scripture, Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required that there is a cost to carrying an anointing and being used of God. That's not just an every day is a good day kind of life. As a matter of fact, it's a weight-filled life full of challenges. It contains spiritual warfare. It's a call that's without repentance. Rule by finding it not strange that this fiery trial is though some strange thing has, has tried to try you. Everybody wants it, but truly many can't handle it because it is up one day. It is one day being on the mountain, calling down fire from heaven, to being wondering for your, worrying about your life, wondering if you're even going to make it through it. What we're about to witness in Elijah's life in this passage is a prime example of my opening monologue. As a side, this is a very interesting time in Elijah's life. He began to do many miracles for people. But at this point, he's facing a great challenge, a true test of his faith. How many have had your faith tested lately? It's a trying time when your faith is tested. Be sure your faith will be tested. He had spoken to a Shudamite woman whom her and her husband had taken great care of Elijah, this man of God. 
Every time Elijah passed through, she would allow him to stay and rest, and they would feed him at their house. They believed in honoring the man of God to the point they built a room into their house upstairs so he could stay there with them regularly when he came through. This woman had dreamed of having a child. How many of y'all got a dream? But she was a barren woman who could not have children, and her husband was way up in the years as well. But Elijah declared to her one day that God said, because of her honoring him, she could bear a child. And she did, like God said. She bared a son. Her dream came true. For only a short few years later, we find Elijah walking right back into the room he once lived in. The bed is still there that once brought him comfort. But now it's filled with a child who appears to be dead, not just any child. This child was special. Elijah had played a big part in this child's life. This was that child that God had promised the Shunammite woman. When this child was born, it was a dream come true. I'll talk more about that in a moment. There is this term in the medical field called DOA, which means dead on arrival. It's used by medical professionals. It's used after medical personnel arrive at the scene of a medical emergency, and it appears that the person they've been called to see is not alive. They just can't make that decision that he's physically dead at that point. They don't have the authority to do so. They must proceed with medical protocol and all the procedures. Until they arrive at the hospital where a physician that has the authority to pronounce him dead will officially declare him or her DOA, meaning they were dead on the arrival. When Elijah arrived to this boy, it appeared he was dead upon his arrival, just like it appeared to his mother before Elijah got there. She believed her dream died while she held it in her arms. And if he was dead, then that means he's been dead for some time, now before Elijah even arrives. I mean, long enough, according to Scripture, for her to carry him to his room, place him in his bed, argue with her husband whether to go or not go get Elijah, saddle an animal to ride, ride to Mount Carmel to find him, explain to Elijah what happened, and then however long it took for Elijah to arrive at this house. I mean, however long all this took, the boy laid in what used to be Elijah's bed, appearing to be dead. Now, here's the heartbreak of the story. This is the same child Elijah promised this woman. God was going to give her. It was her dream. Despite the fact she was barren and her husband was a very old age, leaving her to believe it would be never be possible for her to have a child. She always dreamed for it. And so many people are in the same position with your dream. It appears to you, perhaps, that your dream has died as well. He was the child Elijah told her the Lord was going to give her because she had served the prophet so faithfully. He had brought her dream to pass. Only for now, her dream laid in his bed, appearing to be dead. Now, looking back to when Elijah first shared this promise with her, this woman's first reaction to what God promised her was, to Elijah, please don't tell me that. Don't go and get my hopes all up if this isn't true because I've spent too much time accepting the fact that it will never be. I mean, I'm barren. My husband's too old. So how could this ever be? So don't go give me a false hope, Elijah, because it'd be easy to believe and accept this can't happen. 
then to believe this is going to happen, and it never does. It's painful enough now as it is. Don't set me up for more heartbreak to have a dream, but just to watch it die. As this tragic moment was happening, the enemy must have been reminding Elijah of this. You know, the man with the double portion of anointing. Those words must have been echoing through his head. Wow, the pressure of the calling. It appears the promise he'd been given is now dead. She finally had mustered up enough faith to believe for the promise. And she received it, but it was short-lived. And now it's dead. Have you ever been there? Come on, somebody. You got to see it. You got to touch it. You were so proud of it. It changed your life. It gave God praise for it, only to watch your dream die one day before your very eyes. It happened so suddenly your dream died right in your arms. The dream that maybe you had for your children or the dream you had for your family. Maybe it was the dream you had for your marriage. Maybe it was that big dream you had for your ministry. You did everything you could possibly do to keep it alive. You nourished it. You walked the floors over it. You had sleepless nights over it because of, it, because of being faithful to it. Yet due to circumstances out of your control, your dream died. There's times, these times are the most confusing times of our lives. It was so exciting when you received it, but now so heartbreaking to lose it. Your child, your dream started out so well, so precious, so innocent, then something happened out of your control. Your marriage, your dream started out so well, had a beautiful wedding. You had that romantic honeymoon. You married the man or the woman to your dreams and something out of your control caused it to die. Your career, your ministry, your dream was going well. You worked so hard for it, countless hours invested in it. Then it just abruptly ended. It's where the student woman was at. Even though it's a promise from God, it appeared to have died. Catch, I say, it appeared to have died. It brings us to the point. We feel there's nothing we can do. It's over. There's nothing left. No more life left in it. It appears to be dead. But hold on a minute. First of all, it's not over till God says it's over. He's the only one who has the authority to declare it's dead. Even if it looks dead, dead things can be resurrected by my God. Because Jesus declared the tomb of, the, of the, his friend Lazarus who had been dead for four days. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Lazarus, come forth. What's happening here is not unto death. It's so that God may be glorified. Maybe you can't bring it back to life. But you can call upon God, and he can bring it back to life. But first, you must be a man or a woman of God. you got to pull your bootstraps up, and you got to be obedient to God's word. What am I saying? Keep listening. you got to. Just as Paul Harvey says, you need to hear the rest of the story. How many of you have been in a place where it seemed like God gave you a word or gave you a promise, gave you a dream, and doors begin to open up, and everything seemed to be just falling in place. Was it not an exciting time? Your dream was coming true. Right before your very eyes, you could see it. You could touch it. You could embrace it. But all of a sudden, things became a little harder than you expected. It started out so great. But the closer you got to it, the harder things got. What do you do when it looks like your promise, your dream is dying? Elijah had spoken to her and told her that God had promised her a son. She tried to reject it, but he said, no, God said it. But now get this, not only is the promise he made her appears to be dead, 
We got a whole lot more going on here at the same time with that. And that is Elijah's promise for his life may be dead as well. Don't forget, God promised him a double portion of Elijah's anointing. So let me go back and introduce Elijah to you to see why his dream might be considered to be dead also. Elijah was Elijah's predecessor. And because Elijah served him so well, he was going to be Elijah's successor. Before Elijah was going to be taken away in a whirlwind, Elijah, knowing his days were few, asked Elijah, before I leave, what would you like for me to do for you? He asked, Elijah asked Elijah for a double portion of his anointing. And through Elijah, God granted it to him. That was his promise. That was his dream. It was proven to be true time and time again by the many miracles Elijah began to do. Started out great. One being he was able to prophesy to this barren woman and tell her she would bear a child. And she did, guys. That's profound. So when her child dies, it looks like Elijah's double portion came up short. So does this mean his dream is dying too? I wonder, is there anybody here that this has happened to your dream? It came up a little bit short too. Have you ever thought this is it? I'm on my way, and then it falls short. Have you ever just have thought, just maybe things are going to turn around, but they don't. Thought you was just about to get past it, and you don't. Thought it was about to finally be yours, but it's not. And something knocks the wind out of your sails, stopping it dead in its tracks. It appears to be DOA. Your dream, your promise has died. And the painful effects of these experiences affect us because discouragement sets in only to teach us to lower our expectations from here on out, from this point forward. Come on, somebody. It tells us not to dream again. That life is so much easier not to dream, not to expect nothing to change again for anything to happen again. Then to have a dream and watch it die, I'm talking to folks who were once dreamers who don't want to dream no more. Because of the pain and the suffering, you now have a new philosophy that is, if I don't expect nothing out of life, I won't be so disappointed when things don't go my way. So you, you choose not to dream anymore. If I don't try again, if I don't fall in love again, then and then only will I be guaranteed that this won't happen again. And I'll never have to feel this pain again. So we build these walls to protect us to keep the pain out. Because being hopeful can end up being painful. But I want to tell all the wall builders something about walls. Building walls not only keep things out, but they also keep you in. When being in a state of depression or oppression or depression, and you build walls to try to keep everything and everyone out, it may keep things out, but the walls also keep you in the state of despair where you will drown in your sorrows and your misery all alone. You see, I believe it's better to live and die than to die and never have lived. Being vulnerable enough to say, I still want it. In spite of the loss in the process, in spite of the pain that has caused you, in spite of the strongholds that have you have had taken to overcome you, in spite of all this, you choosing to be hopeful again is a gift from God. It's not always foolish to fight for what's hurt you, as many will tell you. There are moments in the process of possessing your dream 
what it looks like is not going to work. It looks too hard. It's too embarrassing. It costs you too much. It takes too much time and work and energy. God promised Israel a land flowing with milk and honey. And they sent out spies to go ahead of them to see what their promise, their dream looked like. And eight of the ten came back and said, There's, there are great things that lie ahead of us, but there are giants in the land. There's always that but, 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 but. A lot of times that's what's wrong with the church. Our butts are too big. And when the people heard it was going to be a battle to have their promise, that it was going to be work and cost them something, they retreated, and the whole generation never received the promise. They were afraid to pursue their promise. This child appeared dead on Elijah's bed, the place that once brought Elijah so much comfort, but now it reeks a stench of death. Dead things stink, folks, and nothing stinks worse in life than a dead dream. The place where you once felt so comfortable, where you could be yourself, and you were living life to the fullest, have you ever been to a place where trust is violated in such a way you, can rest, you, you can't rest there anymore in that place that was so comfortable at one point? So where do you rest when life gets to you, when the struggle gets too difficult, when all you want to do is lay your head down and rest, wishing to perhaps go back to sleep and wake up again and find out it was all just a bad dream? All you want is your comfortable place back again. But when reality sets in, you realize that place of comfort is now a place of death. And things will never be the same because your dream appears to have died in your arms. What do you do? I've heard so many people say to their spouses, it's not that I don't love you. It just hurts so bad. I feel so betrayed by you. And I can't afford to be vulnerable again with you. It's not that I don't want to dream again. It's not that I don't have a vision for us. It's just I can't take a chance of everything hurting this way again. It hurts too much to try again. I fear it's going to just be failure after failure, rejection after rejection that will continue. It feels like death in this place. Yes, but inside of me, I'm dying to believe again. I'm dying to try again. I'm dying to believe God has still got a plan for me, for us, for her, for him. I'm dying to believe we can get past this. I can get past this. I'm dying to believe I'm stronger than what came up against me. I'm dying to believe I'll be able to rest again. I'm dying to believe that this won't torment me forever. I'm dying to believe my breath is a promise because right now I feel like I'm slowly dying that I'm barely existing. And I'm afraid to admit I want to live again. I'm afraid to admit I want, want, want to dream again. I'm afraid to admit that I really want to love again. But what if? What if it don't pan out the way I want it to? Oh, that's you, ma'am or sir. And God is speaking so loud to someone right now, whether you're in here tonight or you're watching by live stream. So here is Elijah in the upper room where this dead dream, in this case, a child. Bible says he went in that room and he shut the door. So only him and the boy were in the room. Then it says he prayed to the Lord. The first thing he did, he prayed to ask the Lord, what, I, what do I do? So often it's the last thing we do in times like this. 
Sometimes you don't even know what to pray. Sometimes you just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yet at times that's enough because if you call upon him, he will answer you. If we simply call out his name, he promised he'll be your very present help in times of trouble. Sometimes, though, we pick up the phone and call on everybody else but him. I'm sure Elijah reminded the Lord of the promise he made to this woman as he was speaking to God. Lord, you had me tell this woman you were going to give her her dream. And you did as you promised, but now why does it appear her dream is dead? And perhaps even asked, how could this happen? And perhaps even thought at times, if her dream is dead, then perhaps my dream is dead too, Lord. Probably began to even question, maybe I've lost my anointing. And the text reads in verse 34 that next he climbed on top of the child. He put his mouth to his mouth, his eyes to his eyes, and his hands to his hands. Now, I would agree with anyone who thinks what a strange thing to do. Here lies a dead child, and you're going to go lay on top of him, and you're a grown man? Unless God had told him to do it, it would have been the wrong thing to do. But remember, he prayed, and now he's being obedient to God's instructions. It took a lot of faith at this point to do something strange like this. It better be, God said. And so many times God's asked us to do things we're not willing to do, because they're not normal protocol, because they're out of our comfort zone. Things he asked us to do to keep our dreams alive, but we're not, willing to, we're not willing to be obedient. So therefore, we never attempt to resurrect our dreams. We just let them lay there dead, and we mourn. There's so many dreams that have died in the body of Christ that should have lived, but they didn't. Because we're not willing to humble ourselves, not willing to get on top of our dreams and breathe life into them. We are with our dreams like a lot of children are with their first puppy dogs. We want them, but we don't want to take care of them. You know, I begin to wonder, why would you lay on a dead thing? I went from why would you lay on a dead thing to perhaps it's more about how he laid on him. The fact that he put his mouth on his mouth. He put his eyes on his eyes. He put his hands on his hands. Perhaps it's symbolic instruction for us who have dead dreams, representing instruction for our loved ones who are dead in trespasses and sin, and for our marriages that are falling apart, or our careers that are dying, or even our ministries that are dead, promises that God has given us that have fallen short. Perhaps the illustration is showing us how to handle them. Perhaps it could be he puts his mouth on his mouth to breathe life into his dream. Because there's power in the, in the tongue of life and death in the tongue. And if, you, and, if you're ever, if you're, excuse me, and if your dead dream is ever going to be resurrected, you're going to have to breathe life into it by speaking to it. You're going to have to change how you speak about your son or your daughter or your marriage or your career or your ministry, your dream. You're going to have to speak life into them by faith. You're going to have to speak life to it while everyone else is speaking death, those who don't have the authority to even do so. You're going to have to look at that child and say, I don't care what you've done or what people are saying about you. You're my dream. You're my child, and I love you. And because of that, 
you're going to live and not die. God gave you to me, and it may appear my dream is slowly dying, but I declare in the name of the Lord, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Devil, you ain't killing my dream. I have the authority by Jesus Christ to proclaim the victory for my child's life. Hallelujah. You're going to have to look at your spouse and say, I vowed to God I'd love you for better, for worse, and honor that commitment. You're going to have to tell them I love you, and I will love you till death do us part. You're my dream. You're going to have to speak to your boss. Do you know who I really work for? If God be for me, who can be against me? With your mouth, just like God breathed life into Adam. God can breathe life back into your dream with your mouth. Then how about him putting his eyes to his eyes? Could it be when people see their dreams as dead? With your eyes, you've got to help them as a man or woman of God see their vision that they're still alive. There are new avenues. There's a new horizon. There's new opportunities in the future. Because I want to tell you something, the devil is a liar. Let them see maybe they didn't work in your life, but when God shuts one door, he opens another. So they can see what you see in them. You've got to put vision in them. So they can see that there's still something to live for. That this moment is actually going to make you stronger. You've got to get a new perspective how you see this thing. Then how about his hands to his hands? The Word of God tells us faith without works is dead. We know he had faith because he prayed. He cried out to the dead bones, come alive. But was he willing to work on this thing? Because it takes more than just saying you believe your dream can live again. You must understand you still have to work at these things to keep it alive and sometimes to bring it back alive. The hands were assigned to us that you're going to have to work on that thing everybody else is calling dead. You're going to have to handle this. You've got to take hold of your dream, and you've got to fight for it. You've got to take hold of your dream, look it in the eye, and speak life into it. Grab it, look at the eye, and say, listen here. Hallelujah. He's given you a mouth to speak to it, eyes to see it. But if you don't work on it, it will become dead. It's going to take more than just faith. It's going to take a concerted effort to bring your dream back to life so that God can take what the enemy meant for bad and turn it into your good. How many of you quit praying for their child? How many of you quit praying for your dream? you got to be willing to put time and effort into it. you got to nurture it, cherish it, be patient with it, pray for it, counsel it, forgive it. It takes two in any relationship, speaking life into one another, seeing eye to eye with one another, working hand in hand with one another. It takes the dream and the dreamer. You speak life to it. She speaks life to it. You see the vision. She sees the vision. You work on it. She works on it. There were two sides involved in this effort. And if any two agree on anything, come on, somebody. It's the man of God through Christ. It's the woman of God through Christ, resurrecting the dead by the power that worketh through us. You need to speak life to it to resurrect your dream, your marriage, your ministry, your family. See it for what it is what it was promised to be, to resurrect your dream and working on it to bring your dream back to life. Now I'm going to read this part again, remembering the power of the mouth, the eyes, and the hands. He went in and shut the doors on two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to his hands, and he stretched himself. 
and he stretched himself. Oh, it's going to stretch you to bring your dream back alive, your child back alive, your marriage back alive, your career, your ministry. I want to tell you it's as easy as ABC, one, two, three. But because you've been in this place of hurt so long, in this place of disbelief for so long, you've given up on it. And i got to be bold with you. Because there's a man or a woman of God tonight who's walked in this room tonight who still believes that your dream can be resurrected. It don't have to be dead, and it don't have to die. Why? Because God is on your side. Whoever told you your dream is dead didn't have the authority to tell you unless it was God. It's going to be hard for you to put your mouth on this dead thing. It's going to be hard for you to put your eyes on this dead thing. It's going to be hard for you to put your hands on this dead thing. You're going to have to stretch yourself to do it. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to dare to believe with everything within you. Dare to try again with everything against you. And many will say, I've been trying. Well, if what you're trying isn't working, then try something else. you got to tell some folks, I'm working on this regardless of what you think about it. Call it dead if you want to, but it's my child. It's my dream. I'm not going to kill I'm not going to kill me to try, but if it dies, I die with it. I believe it doesn't have to be, have to die if I want it to live. Because the resurrection power of Christ will help me if I'm willing to be stretched and follow his instructions. If I'm willing to speak to it, I'm going to dream again. And my dream is going to live again. And give it mouth to mouth, breathe life back into it. My marriage that was dead will be better than it's ever been. I have to change. He has to change. My next marriage will be greater than my last one because the next one I won't, I marry, I won't treat like the last one I married. My son that was lost will be found. He was blind, but now he will see, though he be far off today. I'll stand at the gate by the road every day until I see him coming home, and if he gets here, I will not condemn him. I will love him, and we're going to kill a fatted calf, and we're going to celebrate his new life. That's my son. That's my dream. Hallelujah. My career, my ministry will flourish again. It's not over. I may have lost the battle, but not the war. I just got to stretch myself. And dedicate myself to my call. I can't quit just because it got hard. What grew cold in my life will be greater than warm again. I'll be back on fire again. I'll go further than I've ever been. Because he that has begun a good work for me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says after he prayed and stretched himself out upon the boy, this cold child's body became warm again. But it wasn't quite alive yet. Too often we make half-hearted effort. We don't go the extra mile. Oh, we warm things up a little, never setting it on fire again. And too often we just become comfortable with it just being warm. It's not what it's supposed to be, but at least it's better than it was. And the Bible says Elijah got up off the warm child and walked around the room again. Then he tried again. He wasn't satisfied with just warm. Warm was a good thing. It showed signs of improvement. He could have stopped there. Warm is what so many are satisfied with. But simply being warm isn't life, folks. 
just tolerating, just maintaining, just being comfortable, declaring that's far enough. Don't you want more than just going from cold to warm? Don't you want your dream to come totally alive again? And so many settle for just being saved because it's enough to get you to heaven, warm. But being consumed with the Holy Ghost and with fire is the supernatural empowerment of God through you to make a difference in the kingdom of God, to be able to tear down strongholds and to set the captives free. For you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It's more than enough. And a relationship with God that is only warm is like having a half-dead dream. Warm is half-cold. Warm is half-hot. It's lukewarm. And God wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. God don't want us to have children living halfway right. Having marriages that are just tolerating one another. Just staying together for the sake of the kids. He don't want us to have careers and they're never allowed to succeed for us to give a half-hearted effort to them. No, 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 no. Elijah was not satisfied with simply warm. There's no life in being just warm. Even Jesus said, I'd rather really be caught or cold. Elijah knew God doesn't do things halfway. He wasn't giving up on his dream or her dream. God had not given him a double portion to just restore things halfway. But too many are content with being warm, and therefore your dreams never come what they were promised to be. Come on, church. They're not effective. They're just naturally and neutrally existing. You strifle your dreams, your effectiveness. Now you're complacent, yet unsatisfied in your heart. Just because it got hard, just because it required blood, sweat, and tears for a few years. Just because he failed or she failed, according to Scripture. Hey, we've all failed. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So Elijah, not content with warm, he walks the floor again. It signals us to not give up, to fast, to not settle for being just warm, just comfortable. Every time your dream car breaks down, do you just go buy a new one or do, you, or do you fix it? You fix it. Why? Because you love that car. It's special to you. It's the one you always wanted. Now, I know there are those when the moment your car begins to act up, you trade them off. And some people do relationships the same way. Instead of fixing what you got, you trade for another only to find out it's got problems too, if not worse. So he walks around the room praying once again, not satisfied with the dream just being warm, existing. He wanted it to live and breathe. Do you know that your Lord and Savior wants you to live and he wants you to breathe? And he wants you to do everything he's called you to do? Do you know that he's gave you a promise and that if he promised you, it will come to pass? Prophet, this prophet of double portion, double means two, and two times he did this. As I say, if that didn't get you, this will. My persistence and my obedience, it will pay off. He didn't give up on the child or the dream. Can it be we want a double portion? 
but don't want to do twice as much work to get it, please don't forget to whom much is given. When we don't give what is required, then don't be surprised when we come up short. Everybody wants to have these big dreams. Nobody wants to do what it takes to have them. They don't want to be caregivers. It's such a large responsibility because big dreams require so much more sacrifice. Like it takes a whole lot more work to farm 100 acres than it does to farm 10 acres. There's more time required, more nurturing required, more discipline required, more sacrifice required. People all the time wish I had all, I had Paul's anointing. Really? Being shipwrecked, beat, beaten, snake bit, beheaded. That came with it. For a moment, it looked like Elijah was coming up short, but he doesn't give up because it's getting hard. No, he climbs up on top of the boy a second time. Elijah believed, if I truly still have it, then God will do more than just make him warm. He'll make him alive. This will declare not only is the Spirit of God able to keep a man of God's dream alive, but also the Shunammite woman's as well. Just because it got a little hard, just because once was not enough means I just have to work a little harder to keep my dream alive. Going to the altar one time sometimes, folks, is not enough. Sometimes praying about it once is not enough. And God is a God of second chances. With God, a promise is a promise. This time we laid on the child, though it went to another level. Persistence pays off with the Lord. Having a bulldog faith. Because it's the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man that availeth much. Something happened to this child different this time. He sneezed seven times. What does seven mean? It's a number of completion. The boy was now completely alive again. The dream was alive again. The promise was alive again. Maybe also because he sneezed, it was a sign that even though he was alive again, the dream still needs to be tended to. See, because when you sneeze, it's a sign something is irritated in your system. And by sneezing, your body's trying to reject what I, it don't need. You see, there was a reason this boy, this dream died. Never take for granted, just because your dream is alive, you don't have to doctor it, nourish it, or protect it. A lot of dreams have died because of, of irritations that weren't intended to. His body was trying to tell you something is affecting the dream. The signs were all there. The symptoms apparent something was wrong. The boy's head was hurting before he died. You can be alive and have pneumonia, and if not tended to, it will kill you. He sneezed as to get all that stuff out of him that was killing him. Come on, somebody. The stuff that is in you that is not of God is killing your dream. Whether it be unforgiveness or bitterness or wrath or jealousy, whatever it is, could it be God allows your dream to die to bring you back alive? To get your attention because sometimes we don't know what we got till it's gone. Don't know how valuable something is until we lose it. Maybe you were so cold and different to your dream, lost focus, lost sight, the irritation caused separation. Instead of tending to it, you aborted it. It took too much of your time. It cost you too much hard work. How many know relationships take a lot of time and cost a lot of hard work? Church, we don't live in Mayberry, and you don't sell on the love boat. A lot of times the relationships were going upstream without a paddle in a rowboat, and it's hard work. Can somebody say amen? 
When you were given your dream, your career, your child, the men of your dreams, you were also given the responsibility to keep it alive. I'm just merely suggesting maybe you need to sneeze and get some stuff out of you. And I'm here to tell some folks that are struggling to keep your dream alive, it's time to sneeze. Why? Because when you do, God's fixing to shout, God bless you. And when that stuff comes out of you, there won't be a devil in hell that can stop you from having a dream again. We get so caught up in being broken and hurt, we don't think God can do anything with what we got left. But let me remind you, it is God who can take nothing and make something out of it. Hallelujah. Come on. If it's nothing more than just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil, ask the widow woman. God didn't let her and her son, her dream die. Ask King David when God built this beautiful temple upon his ashes where he had sacrificed for his sins. God didn't let his calling die. The Shunammite woman didn't believe she could have a son. She was afraid to even ask God for it. The way her life was going, why would God give her one? She pondered. And that's where so many are at. That thing that God gave you, that's what Adam said to God, standing in the garden, blaming Eve for their failed relationship with God. He said, this woman, this thing that you gave me, God. And so many of us that, of us that promised that dream that God gave you because it hurt you now, for you're not willing to try again. Dreams are going to hurt you because you love the thing so much. But sadly, too many times, someone wants to invest in it to fix it. You believe it's easier to bury it than to resurrect it. Now, I'm here to tell you, the morning that follows the burial will not bring back life. But Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life will. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is going to come in the morning with Jesus Christ. The dream seemed perfect, but it had a fatal flaw. But we failed to see is we all have flaws. None of us are perfect. You, know, you believe it'll never be the same. The truth is it won't be. The truth is you don't want it to be the same. Something was broken. But if you fix the flaw, it'll be better than it ever was because you will reinforce it to prevent another failure. God always makes things better. If the potter was making a bowl of clay and it had a crack in it, he'd put it back on the wheel, remold it, and reshape it, make it all new again, always better and stronger. And you too will have to find out what caused your dream to fail and ask the potter, Jesus Christ, to reinforce it so it won't happen again. It's too valuable to just throw it away. It's your dream. If you don't, it will die. The adversity that you despise will actually cause you to make you stronger. And through the process, it makes you stronger. If you play no part in restoring the dream, you will never know the value of its recovery. She didn't ask for it. But God blessed her anyway. He gave her the desires of her heart. But when, she, but when it died, it seemed like it all was just stripped away. Upon it happening, she could have went back to Elijah and said, See, this is why I didn't want to believe you, blaming him as most of us would do. But instead, she made a daring move. She dared to believe in the prophet again. And instead of just sitting there and blaming everyone else, including herself, Instead of drowning in what used to be, she decided to believe in what God said would be. You can't get bound by what, you, what used to be. You've got to believe in what God said it would be. 
You got to say to God, you told me, you promised me I would have a child. I would have a dream. I would have a ministry. I would have a spouse. But I can't when he's dead. And God's going to say to you, you're going to have to take your mouth, your eyes, and your hands and change how you're speaking to your dream, how you're looking at your dream, and how you're working on your dream. God sent me tonight to tell you there's an opportunity to change how you're speaking to your dream, your promise, how you're seeing your dream, change how you're handling your dream. When you speak life to it, calling that thing that is not as though it were, when you see your future for it, when you handle it with love and not frustration, it can live again. You've got to trust God and believe that it's not DOA. Your son, your daughter can be who God said they can be. Your marriage can be what God said it would be. Your career, your ministry can be what God called you to be. That in spite of what it looks like, things just don't happen to you. There's times they happen for you. See, it wasn't just the boy who was dead. This woman, Faith, at one point was dead. She couldn't even believe for a dream. And God was using this to, to build her faith, that her dream doesn't have to die because it was a promise from God. To help her understand, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to talk to the folks, maybe you believe your dream is dead tonight. Or maybe you feel like it's dying and you think it can't live again. I want to tell you something. If you'll just look around this room, I can prove to you, you can live again. Because of what God has done for others, he can do for you. Anybody in here who has had a dream, has been through what you've been through, knows all too well that God can restore, revive your dream again. Just last year, maybe they didn't look so well to do. Ten years ago, they were through. They were down on, their, on the count. But now they're stronger than they've ever been. They're breathing in. They're breathing out. They're alive again. And I know somebody in here could testify to that, that I'm talking about you. They had to sneeze a few times. They had to get some stuff out of their system that was trying to kill them. Whether it was fear, oppression, depression, unbelief, anger, bitterness, inferiority, drugs, alcohol, sin, whatever it was so they could live again. So they sneezed seven times. They completed the process through their obedience to God. And when they sneezed and got all that stuff out of them that wasn't good for their life, when they sneezed, God said, God bless you. And now they're blessed to be alive again, and they have a dream again. Because they have learned how to speak to things, they've learned how to have vision, and they've learned how to handle things differently so that their dreams don't have to die. They learned it's a lot easier to keep something alive than have to raise it from the dead. They've learned how to nurture their dream, how valuable they are. So now they speak life to it. Now they see value of it. Now they work hard on it, handle it better. And I've come to tell whoever you are tonight, what God has done for them, he wants to do for you because he wants you to live again. He wants your dream to come alive again. There are seasons in our life. There's those ups and there's those downs. And how you handle the downs determines how you get up. Whether you're cold or warm or alive and well. Now, if I wasn't just talking to you, listen up what God has done for the folks I just described. 
God wants to do for you. He wants to help you keep your dream alive. He wants to revive it. Even if it appears dead, he wants to help you resurrect your dream. He wants you to dream again. If you would just stop lamenting long enough to ask God, is there something you're trying to teach me through this? Ask, are you using this adversity, God, to change me? God, God could you be using him, her, or them to change me? There's power that comes to you in surviving death. You see, when your dream dies, the dream and the dreamer both die. You see, it takes both to live. There's the dream that is dead. Are you the dream? Are you that son, daughter, or spouse? Then there's the dreamer. Are you the dreamer? Are you that son, daughter, spouse, or mom, or dad? I hope he knows that it wasn't just enough for Elijah to pray and be a man of God. He had to activate his faith. He had to lay on the child. He had to be willing to be stretched, put his full focus on it. He had to trust God for the dream to live. He had to speak life into it with his mouth. He had to see the value of it, be willing to look forward, and he had to work on it and do what was required. The text shows us some powerful stuff about relationships about our dreams, about our promises. For you, the woman could represent a mother whose dream is her child, but your dreams, your plans for child appear to be dead. For you, the woman could represent a wife or a husband whose dream was your marriage, but your dream appears to be dead. You had plans for it. For you, the woman could represent a man or woman whose dream was their career or their ministry, but it's failing. It looks dead. You had plans. Or you could be the child, the dream that's dead, spiritually speaking. You were doing well, growing in the Lord, till one day you began to faint, and slowly you died spiritually. Elijah represents how the Spirit of God can help us to re resurrect our dreams. That if we're willing to be obedient to God's work, seek God like the woman sought Elijah, he will help us dream again. Elijah illustrated to us that if we will be men and women of God who will walk by faith, speak by faith, and live by faith, who will pray and ask the Lord for directions and instructions, men and women who will lean not to your own standing but acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths, men and women of God who will speak life into your dreams, believe it can live again, who will look into the eyes and declare, I see a future, who will lift up their hands and work for it and go the extra mile for it and be willing to try again. If you'll nourish and nurture your dreams, then God can bring your dream back alive again because it's not over till God says it's over, church. Don't give up too soon because God don't give up on you. God used the man of God to speak life into that woman's dream. His faith showed the woman it's okay to dream, even if the dream causes you pain. And I pray he's used me to speak life into your dream. He used me to tell you your dream can live again, to tell the dreamer you can dream again, that it's your promise. It's better to work on keeping your dream alive than having to resurrect it from the dead but regardless if it's dead even four days four years God can help you bring it back to life if you want to dream again you want your dream to live again don't want your dream to die then in just a few moments if the praise team will come I'm going to I'm going to ask you to come and pray and ask God to help you activate your faith again and help you change how you've been handling your dream and trust him for the dream to live again. You must believe it can be better than it's ever been. 
And not so much asking to change the dream, but to change you so you can handle the dream. I believe you can come to this altar, and I believe you can leave here like the woman left the upper room. You know how that was? The Bible says she went to the upper room, picked up her dream once again. And I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God, that same Spirit that worked through Elijah, is here to move upon you, to raise you and your dream back up again, or to cause you, the dreamer, to believe again, or to empower you to dream again, so you can live again, love again, be happy again, and you can rest again. And God wants you to tell someone, you've been planning a funeral for something that's not even dead yet. Your dreams... They're not dead yet. You're not dead yet. Would you stand with me? I believe that what, this is what God's doing in these days we're in right now. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. I believe that's what the revival's doing. We've lost a lot of things through these years, some tough years we've had for the church in our own personal lives. And the Spirit of God is coming again and it's reviving. It's reviving your dreams. It's reviving those promises. It's reviving your marriages. It's reviving ministries. It's reviving careers. It's reviving churches. It's bringing the church back alive. It's bringing those who are dead in trespasses and sins back to life again. It's giving them eternal life. The greatest harvest we've ever seen is gonna happen these last days. And I just came tonight to tell you that in the midst of all of this, with the wind blowing and the rivals breaking out, don't you miss out and letting God do for you what he wants to do for you. He can revive that thing or he can give you something new. And I'm going to ask as they begin to sing and they begin to play, I'm just going to open the altars if you're here and you say, I want God to revive my life, something in my life my dream, my promise, my career, my ministry, my marriage, my health, whatever it is, I'm asking you, would you come and find a place to pray as they sing, God is here. I turn it over to the Spirit of the Lord and let God do what only God can do in your life.